you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 741. Uh, Also, I'd like to tell you a little bit about... The Nerdist Community Corkboard. It's a corkboard where we post things from the Nerdist Community. You can submit to us at events at Nerdist.com. One of our listeners who failed to write their name wants to shout out a charity called Ween Dream. They bring Halloween costumes to kids in foster care or who are unable to afford costumes. Find out more at WeanDream.org. Also, Dead Kevin is a super hilarious sketch group based out of L.A. They're going on tour in the Pacific Northwest this month. Watch their videos, find out more about them, and get their tour dates at Facebook.com slash DeadKevinSketch. Also, I have a bunch of dates continuing on the Fun Comfortable Tour. Go to FunComfortableTour.com for more stand-up and info on that. This episode is Mr. Paul Bettany, The Vision. Uh, He is promoting the release of Avengers Age of Ultron on digital and Blu-ray. The Blu-ray, by the way, has extra special bonus features, so go ahead and grab it. And uh, I dare you to not fall in love with this man's accent. If you loved him as Jarvis, pretend Jarvis is uh, talking to you for the next hour or so. Uh, But what a good dude. And uh, I'm trying to, you know... Turns out he's a Walking Dead fan, so I'm, I might be poking him. Like, come on, Talking Dead. Uh, so this is Paul Bettany. Here's Nerds Podcast number 741 with Mr. Paul Bettany. Katie Rowe, the thing. That was a little more James Mason. Now entering Nerdist.com. Not you, the dog. No, no, me, 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 me. I do lick my butthole, so it's the same. I understand why. My, my brain. I'm so sorry. My, my, my brain's a little. I literally just got engaged three days ago. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. And, and already last night, uh, you're, you're married. Yes, I, I certainly am. How long have you been married now? Thirteen years. Thirteen years. Wow. So you 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 you've been through all this. I, I, I didn't really, you know, past the proposal. It didn't occur to me like, oh, well, now you have to do a wedding. Like you can't, you don't. Sure. It doesn't just end there. It's like now, you, and literally, like, two, you know, last night I get home, and she's super cool. But so I, you know, I got this wedding book, and here's all the, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to start deciding if it's a buffet style or, <laughs> or sit down serving. This is like a year. I don't know. Mm-mm. No, and also my only advice to you, I got married on New Year's Day so that I would never, ever forget. forget. <laughs> the downside of that decision is that I'm always monumentally hungover. Of course. During our anniversary. That was, yeah, that, you, didn't, you didn't foresee that before it actually. I should have as well. Like, you know, <laughs> it was a schoolboy era. So uh, for everyone who's listening, January 2nd is actually the day. You get a day to recover, and exactly. then January that's 2nd what, that's is what it. you want to do. But you forget it. No, no, forget it. <laughs> you would remember that. You're like, I think if it's in proximity to something, you'd be like, okay, it's the day after yes, a thing. you're probably right. It's a day, but it's got to be a big enough holiday, because you're not going to remember when Arbor Day is, so it's got to be like, a, <laughs> oh, be like the day after Christmas or the day after New Year's yeah. or something. But then do you find... Oh, you know what else is genius about that is that you guys are probably already on vacation, right? You're already on a break. So you, exactly. can, you can spend time so you together. Have a, an, uh, or you could do like Halloween and be in crazy costumes, whatever you, you, know, whatever you like. But yeah. pick a day that you won't forget because 
that is appalling. And they tend to frown on that. <laughs> spouses. What do you do for a 13th anniversary? What's a, what's a, what's a good thing to do for a 13th anniversary? I have no idea. But last year was so the, – the, the, there, was, was, there was a lot of purchasing. So this year I'm thinking of really – Really um, doing a bad job so that I can reset. You know, the, you, you have to you have to take it on the chin every couple of years. Otherwise, you have to remortgage your house by the you know. That's just good. That's just good planning. That's just that's just a smart strategy. You, you you'll you'll get there. It's you just learn it through osmosis. And you know, at the at at the end of your long lives, you can go back and go. You know all those times I was doing that on purpose for you, so you know, so I could make up for it each time. Oh, you you exactly. do you do care, you know, exactly. and it all comes back. Yeah, I never know what you're expected to, because it should be something that's not too crazy, but something that I think it really just comes down to. It should look like you thought about it. Okay, I once um, I was sitting at a dinner with Anna Winter, who is the editor in chief of Vogue, mm-hmm. and I said, "Look, I got this. It was our first wedding anniversary." I said, "I got the first wedding anniversary coming up, and it's her birthday on uh, December twelfth, and then it's Christmas, and then it's New Year's, and our anniversary. What do I do? Do I get three small presents or one big one?" And she went, "You get three big presents." <laughs> She combined the two. She did. And then she, she said, come into my office. And I came into her office and she had spread all of this jewelry and stuff out on her desk. And they all had little, you know, uh, price tags. And I went, oh, you've really misunderstood a couple of things. One, how rich I am and how much I love my wife. Because it's, it's really... She's I, like, I, I, no, no, these are the small presents. <laughs> Wait, what? I mean, I guess you're Anna Winter at Vogue. That's not really... Uh... Yeah, don't go down that road. I do think sometimes people that are that... High in the ivory tower, do forget, like, you know, not everyone really has access to all of these yes, things and unlimited resources. So, but there's a markdown, it's only half a million dollars. <laughs> it was a million, now it's half a million. What's the I'm problem? doing you a huge favor. <laughs> I'm an actor, like, it's, like, it's not, this isn't, yeah. I, I, I think it, I think as long as. I think the as long as because you know, who needs more stuff? Like people don't you don't need more stuff. Oh no! On on your anniversary, your wife needs more stuff. Oh, and needs and more paper stuff. paper anniversary don't don't you know? First one is paper, right? So don't fall okay. for that. That's okay. Right. So don't don't try to get all real with it. Like no no no. no hey no. baby, I just I drew you this picture because I thought. You know, you would really see how much work you, you, I put in. You have to spray cash at the problem. <laughs> it's, it's the only way to. It is. A, it is a magical day for both of you. Yes, uh, but it's more of a magical day for her. Absolutely. So, spray cash. At okay, the I, this, I'm absolutely. This is. These are the types of things I should be asking every guest who's married from now on until the wedding. Just like one piece of marriage advice, and this is the the first anniversary. I will spray. I will spray, spray cash. cash at the problem. Is it, and then take it on the chin the next year and go <laughs> and and give her something really lame so that you can reset the financial cost. Did you have a massive, massive wedding, or was it very small? Really small. Um, in a castle, but it was really small. <laughs> oh, nice. It's true. It was in a castle, but there were about eight of us, and we got, uh, we got married, then we got drunk and played Twister. In, oh, in, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, no, we, we didn't do it, because otherwise it just becomes this it, – it, it, it becomes a tyranny, the planning yeah. the wedding. wedding weddings do make – and not even just people involved at the wedding, but weddings make people kind of batty in a weird sort of way. Even like, even just like the general public, sure, they tend to make people crazy. Why do you think that is? Um, I think there's a huge amount of pressure on that day, being the you know first day of the rest of your lives, and it's not. You know, it's, yeah. it's and uh, you know, I, 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 my feeling was I can't make it about all the people that you know. What people tell you, weddings are about other people. You know, they're about your family and. Just make it about yourselves and have a have the, your closest friends and and uh, you know go on holiday. Yeah, we went on holiday with all of our you know like closest eight buddies and 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 that was it for a week and we got married in the middle and it was very low key. Oh, that sounds really nice. It was great. That sounds really nice. I think we might have to end up doing a large wedding, but that's. That's more. That's more family stuff, you know. That's more. Fa- Everyone just looked up from the couch. Oh, large <laughs> wedding. Is that should should we do a larger wedding, or do you think? Do you guys think no? 
What if we did a small intimate wedding, but then like a large reception? Does that sound reasonable? That sounds good. That sounds better. That sounds good. You know, no one wants to sit through a fucking wedding anyway. They just want to. They just want to know. You've just given yourself two weddings. Shit. You know what I mean? That's two two amounts of planning. Now it's been recorded. No, but this is where I'll just throw money. I'll just spray cash at it. Like I'll just hire people. Like fix it. I don't know. Fix it. Absolutely. Just. Uh, again, spray cash. <laughs> I'm going to get a cash hose. I'm going to get a cash hose. And, just, it'll, that, and, uh, and never say, uh, do you think that's too expensive? Just never. <laughs> never. Say, never. Just spray cash. The answer is it doesn't matter. Nope. Just do it. Do it. But it's very nice to see you uh, in, in person. And, uh, 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 and I know Ultron's coming out. And I know that there's I mean on DVD, and I know that there's a bunch of extra stuff uh, on the DVD yeah. that for which is good. He's like you have to, especially if you're ma- if you're making DVDs now, you want it. It the audience expects you to put extra stuff on there now. Yeah. But what did you guys? What did you add to the? There's a scene in which Thor and I kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know why they would cut that out. I mean, what was Josh thinking? I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know. You know, some, I, I, sometimes I feel like I'm wearing bifocals and the rest of the world are blind. And then yeah. they're, all, they're all getting up for everyone's, uh, everyone. Everyone's hung over after a big party and Thor comes in and he was like, I had a vision last night. And then everyone laughs. <laughs> you made and, a vision joke. <laughs> I did. Well, you know. I'm not joking. There's a scene in which I kiss Thor. Oh, there, uh, there really is. Yes, no, I wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't being dry. There really is. In fact, there's a lot of scenes where people kiss each other that shouldn't be kissing each other that are in the dvd extras oh that's fantastic Mm -hmm. uh was it uh how was the experience for you getting to actually interact with everyone in the in the in a real way well it was interesting because um i was so excited um to be there and 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 actually be working with these people that i've sort of quote unquote been working with for 10 years or so uh, uh, and then I, I couldn't hear anything because of the prosthetics. So I was on set pretending. I think Robert um, Downey Jr. made a really nice speech when I came on stage. I, 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 at least I think it was a nice speech because I, I couldn't hear. <laughs> and I just laughed at what I thought were the appropriate points. And then they made holes and then I could hear. But for a couple of days, I I didn't understand direction. I didn't understand what people were saying. It was um, yeah, he is uh, he is dolphin smooth in that in the in that in that role. Oh, like it is, it is. He's just brilliant at it. Is that? I mean, you. I mean, you. Like your character. Oh, is like I, I just, thought you meant like, Downing. No, he. You are just smooth. Like that character is is aerodynamic. Yes, as possible. Yes. Um. It was you, 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 also on the DVD extras is the 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 both the makeup process and costume process and also the digital process that um that it all went through to create that character and it was really it's 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 really in depth and 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 you know great so uh that's that's a lot of fun wearing the costume was less fun right um going to the bathroom was especially uh, trying um (laughs) that's where you have to plan out your bathroom breaks for the day you have to plan out you know you really don't want going for a pee is difficult going for any other reason is almost um is almost impossible it would absolutely be but but i think it's pretty great that you know, it's, it's it's sort of the good news. It's like, hey, you're going to get to be in these uh, in these movies. Uh, what are we going to do? We're well, going to be in a sound booth for most of it. Right. You know, so for actually getting to, yeah. Except, you know, I mean, the other the other flip side of that was my job before was I would turn up right at the end, work for an hour in a sound booth, and they would give me a big pile of cash. Oh, that's pretty great which too. Is a great contract between that's pretty great too me and Marvel, which I enjoyed, <laughs> and I sort of. <laughs> it sort of felt like a a, a, a pirate, and uh, that's great. And um, and then the, the 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 prospect of actually being in them hoved into view, so it was definitely a double edged sword. Because um, you know, I think, and Downey was just laughing when he saw me come onto stage because I think I've had it easy for so long. Oh and, yeah, and, and and then here I come, purple aubergine coloured, and uh, in one of the most complex, probably makeup effects yeah. of all, of all of them. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was a lot, and you know. The first day is fine. The second day is fine. The third day, you're getting a little bit claustrophobic. And by the fifth day in a row of shooting, you really are having to find your – get very zen about it and find your safe place <laughs> and focus on 
the line of thousands of actors that would love to be in your position. You know? <laughs> I almost think that I was like, if you go to drama school there, or, or at least, or at least some type of acting class, there should be a, a- acting for superhero films. Popular <laughs> genre. It's like, okay, we're going to put a, we're going to, we're going to tie weights to your back and then we're going to cover your eyes and your head. And then you're still going to have to figure out how to listen to the other characters and respond in, in a Absolutely. natural way. And so, and, and that, that was, that was also, Amazing to discover, actually, because, you know, you'd be working with James Spader and there he is in this, he, he was sort of in, he was, you know, on set, but it was a digital creation. So he was in a, what they call a fractal suit and he had cameras all around his head out on these huge, um, these, these huge wires. That, and, and, but you look at his eyes the moment he starts acting and all of that falls away and you, you're, you're there. He's he's there looking like some sort of a lobster, and you're there looking like a purple, you know, eggplant aubergine, and and um, and yet all of it falls away, and you're just left with the other actors. Eyes and sort of there should be a special Academy Award for that because you know it, it, it's not it's not that it's not as hard if you're in some drama and it's like we're both in jail and they just you're just in rags and you're in a jail and you you're the environment dictates it's, the scene. It's so true, you know. But I can't you're, tell you. But you're in green screen pajamas looking at people with a fucking circus contraption on their head and you still have to look them in the eye and say press the reverse atomizer projection mode button and you, you, you know <laughs> and it's, you have to believe it. Yes, it's so much more difficult. Than and my mother's died. You know? <laughs> but now you're a part of this. Now you are forever a part of this universe. It's a pretty amazing, it's a really amazing time. It's an incredible thing that, you know, I think Kevin Feige is one of the most brilliant people in the world yeah. with what he has managed to do that I, that I see other studios cobbling to try to do in yeah. just a couple of years. But, you know, he really took his time and built it organically. And, but, now, but now you're a part of it. Yeah, and it's great. And you're also in this monstrous uh, um, universe that is made by fans. You know, he's a fan. You know, he grew up a fan. And and so I think that's why they really know how to make those um, uh, movies so well. And and also that when they know the rules, they are the, you know, they're like the the experts on, on those, on those, on the history of, of these characters. And, if they choose to bend the rules, I think that the the audiences feel that they're in safe hands. You know, yeah. so so that's um, you know that's it's been great. I, I it's such a creative and, and fantastic experience, and I, I love doing it. Do you think there's a specific distinction between how uh, British actors are perceived versus how American actors are perceived? Because I think. I think British actors are allowed to be these kind of uh, Swiss Army knives in 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 in, in theater and in film. It's like you know you could play a superhero, but you could also play a really heavy drama. You could also play a you know a southern uh, an American southern character. You could also play a period piece, and and it just seems like you're actor actors. But I think like Americans, we get kind of locked into one thing. Yeah, I think that there is a tendency uh, for for people to pigeonhole you because it's 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 definitely easier to market that you know because then you're you create a personality that that the, that the audiences are coming back to whether you're in one thing or another thing and I, I think there is a tendency for, for that to happen uh, for anybody but I, I, it does it does seem that it's less. Um, there feels like there's more room to maneuver when you're a British actor. Like they expect, it's like the accent. Everybody just thinks you're a bit more clever than you are. You know what I mean? <laughs> it I is a very like, hypnotic accent. I sound like I went to school for, for Americans. I didn't. I mean, I really didn't. I didn't go to university. I didn't. I, it was terrible at school, and everybody just assumes that you're sort of rather rather clever, which is great. You're, I feel like you're terrible for your education system is like. A minus for us, though. I mean, it's like for you to go. I'm terrible. I only got you know 92 out of 100. You know, like I feel. But for us, you know, I think terrible is actually a little bit. I think maybe that's a little bit different of a definition. I don't know. I I I, I don't know. I think you get a you get a long way on on an accent when you come out here. <laughs> oh, you really do. But I don't feel like the reverse is true. I don't. I don't feel like when we go to England or Europe, people are like. What an intriguing accent the American accent is! Like it's almost 
it's you know it's all the parts of like Dutch and German that punch people in the balls. You know, like there's no there's nothing there's nothing about it that's like what a what a poetic tale of a life that person must lead. It's like where's the Starbucks? Like we're so fucking loud and our accents are so harsh. I don't think we get the same leeway. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I I don't know. I think anybody wherever you were in the world when you saw Steve McQueen for the first time, he went. Oh my God! I want to be him. Of course, you know. So you know. So I, I, I don't know. You know, when you hear Clint Eastwood or whoever, any of those those people. So I, I don't have that. And funny enough, I've lived in in New York now for I think thirteen years. Oh wow! And now I hear English people. That's the only I don't hear American accents. I just hear when I hear English people. I go, Oh my God! They're so loud. <laughs> So I think it's because you're tuning into somebody speaking the same language and you, you hear the accent and, and uh, you, you hear a different accent and you just – you really focus on it. But, yeah, I just I, – I hear English people now when I'm in America and go, oh, be quiet. <laughs> well, I guess especially if you – uh, if your wife has an American accent, if you if you hear an American accent yeah. all day, and my long, kids and, and your kids have American accent, yeah. you, so they, you guys they grew up in New York, yeah, yeah, and there there is no trace of British accent. In no, them. their friends say that that there are. Maybe um, they just have like a little bit of a lilt or a, a little I bit think, of an affectation. Yeah, a few things, and and my my son had a sort of English American accent, and then he went to school, and it all it all it all it all yeah. completely went away. Hmm. Do you smell? Uh, do you smell the performer gene percolating in the kids? Do you know what? My eldest son just got into Yale to study uh, physics, and I Jesus thought, Christ! I know, I know. Well, I mean, he has none of my genes, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> So he's unencumbered by my math, you know, uh, DNA. Uh, so, so, um, so that was the final nail in the coffin of him becoming an actor, which is just fantastic. My son, who's twelve, is a is a real prodigy with music and and plays guitar beautifully and sings beautifully. And uh, my little girl, Agnes Lark, who's four years old, I think she's an actress. You, you, like, you can oh, sense it. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Please, anything, anything, anything else? that. Welcome to a life of disappointment. <laughs> I know. Oh wow. Yeah. But you know, yeah. I feel like it's one of those things where you know, people try it out. If it's if if the disappointment is such that they can't bear it, then they'll do something else. Yeah, but you know, I know a lot of really talented people who've never made a bean. You know, I mean, there's there's also a huge amount of luck and just uh, some people are really good in a room and some great actors are really not very good in a room in an audition and and uh, they don't get the jobs and. They're an actor in their heart, and they're you know penniless, and I I I, I do worry about that. It's just, oh. and also I think it's it's it can be a pretty listen. It's been very good to me, I, and I've led a very nice life. Thank you very much. I think it can also, even if you're doing well, it can lead to total madness and insanity. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, of course. You know. You 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 you're you're on a job and people are um can I get you anything can I bring you anything can I can I give you do you need lunch Mr Bettany do you need the where's Mr Bettany he's in the toy could you leave me alone I'm in the toy <laughs> everybody's worried about where you are and then the job's over and they're not you know and I think some people have a real have a real difficulty making that transition and it is. I'm talking if you're on an advert, people are bringing, you know, you know, sure. and then you go back to knocking on doors and saying, can I get a job? Can you give us a job? And I was just in the toilet. Dude. No, we don't give a shit now. <laughs> we don't Sorry, give a not, shit doesn't matter. Now, doesn't matter now. So that is, you know, I, I worry about that for, for them. And also so many, I get so many, it's the question I get asked by young actors is how, so how do I get a start? And I've got no idea anymore. You know, so many things are self-tapes. People say, you can't get in a room. You know, it, it, when I started, you get in a room and you, even before you'd read the scene, you'd made them want to give you the job. You'd flirted with them. You'd charmed them. You'd <laughs> made them laugh. You know, and they're like, I'd like to spend a couple of months with this guy. And, and now it's, it's just not like that. And I just think, how, how do young people get started in this business? It's so, so hard. I don't know, actually. I, I think... I mean, you know, now you theoretically can make things and put them on the internet and yeah. they can be seen. I guess. I um, guess that's a... 
It seems in England, though, being such a th- such a theater culture, and we have traces of that in America, but yeah. it's not it's it's not everywhere. But it seems like it's a little more ingrained into into the into the performer DNA o- over there, where you do start and you just you know you do crappy theater, and then it gets better and better and better, and then you more and more I, seen. And- I, I think that's true, and I think that um, you know it's much more true um, when when, when um, Peter at all played. Lawrence of Arabia, which I, I always think is his first movie, but it was his second movie, but it, his big sort of debut. He played nearly every Shakespeare role in the canon by the time he got to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So he had this huge amount of collateral behind him before he was put in the position of, of, of uh, this great role. And I think that I think that oftentimes uh, actors aren't supported in quite that way way anymore it's like let's make a buck out of you we're gonna right. get you know and it's it's um i think that's rough because suddenly you can find yourself on a being hugely exposed and just not having the chops for it yet didn't right. mean that you weren't gonna grow into that so i think it's um it's i think it's really hard for um for young actors right now i feel for them well i think it, it's there's more to the learning process than just becoming a better actor a better performer i think it's you know when you start at the bottom and you have to do a bunch of shitty things that you don't necessarily want to do because they're not they don't seem rewarding it's teaching you it's the it's teaching you how to adapt it's teaching Absolutely. you how to think on your feet how to how to thrive in any situation like which are i think actually the more important skills to learn how to do i think you're right i think and i think it's the same with rock music you've got to get in a you know a garage with some Really substandard equipment and suck. You know what I mean. And Bill learn and how to be a yeah, Bill and Ted, right? <laughs> uh, and, and 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 learn how to make uh, how to make music. And I, I I think you're right. You know, I think it's it's really hard for for young actors. I feel for them unless they start taking my job in which case <laughs> in which case don't feel for them fuck you fuck back get yeah. the fuck back <laughs> exactly. there's one division and this is him yeah get back in the fucking toilet <laughs> fuck. who were some of your uh did, did were you a were you a comedy guy when you were growing up at all did you were you a big comedy fan oh yeah um, uh, you know i mean i think before really um, america really um got him bill hicks was a huge star oh yeah in, of course in, in england and um we, we, he was he was our sort of uh, go to uh, guy from America, I think. So yeah, the, <laughs> he was not representative of all the other no, kind of comedy that was going on in America at the time. No, by the way, he really wasn't. He was really uh, he was really anarchic and brilliant and poetic and and um, I, I so many times things are happening in the world that I just think, what would Bill Hicks have to say about this? And I, I, I just can't it. help but wonder if if you know. D- d- he at a certain point he would have just been like fuck all of this and then just I'm disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't imagine that he would have because uh, he died pretty young. I think he was in his mid thirty four, maybe. I think he was thirty four. Uh, and so I think you know if he had lived another almost twenty years, I think I think ten years ago he would have been like I don't I'm fuck all done. of this, or he would have just been an expat and just moved to England and just right. not. Not dealt with us with it. Well, then he'd have to deal with the English. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see him live? I didn't ever get to see him live. No, and I really, it's a. Uh, I, but I am one of those people that you know trawls the internet looking for rare Bill Hicks clips because I, I do think he was special, you know. Um, but other things were like Blackadder with Rowan Atkinson, yes. which just is just was extraordinary, and they're bringing it back. Oh, they are for one more season. They're bringing Blackadder back. Yes, sir. Is Hugh is Hugh Laurie going to be in that's, it? Well, that is the big. Is Hugh Laurie going to be in it? And and because that's the reason for them to make it financially, I guess. And uh, I, I think, but I I have read online that they are oh. trying to work out a deal. And, and what would it be? I'm so excited. Where would when would where they when, when would they be? Because I just saw Rowan Atkinson was riding around England for the Mr. Bean anniversary. Oh really? Yeah, he was just uh, he was just uh, riding around on the top of a, a car, of the of the car uh, for the for that. So it's it. I love the fact that that. That character is always running in the background, and he just pokes his head up every once in a while. I would love to see another Blackout. Oh, oh my great? god! Yeah, I hope they get it together because it would be just fantastic to see them all revisit those roles. Because the and the writing was just so brilliant. It was just I so it's, it's, it's that was a fabulous show. I hope it holds up. I really I'm crossing my fingers. Yeah, because all good. of the all of the uh, the seasons were just 
absolutely in their own way br- just brilliant. The last one in the First World War in the trenches was hysterical and moving, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really desperate to see what they're going to do. Uh, did you? Is that everything that you pursued? Did you ever pursue comedy? Uh, n- no, I mean I would love to. I would love to. I I have a. I was in one once, and it was um, one has to make sure that they're funny before <laughs> before you do them. Otherwise, it's a bit like pushing shit uphill. You know, um, it's a bit thankless. So so um, I think you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go on a limb. Even if you're pushing shit downhill, it's still not a great job. No, it's a, if you're just, if you're just if it's you're, shit. It's shit. No matter what, you're still just carrying shit down a hill. One way or another. One way or another, you're just carrying. Yes, shit. Yes, you're right. I but mean, you never know. You I don't suppose know. uphill you don't is know. more labor intensive. Up, uphill is labor intensive. So you're like, I'm tired and I'm pushing shit. And at some point, you can probably let go of the shit if you're pushing downhill and it takes. And care then of it, it, so it takes a snowball shit effect. At a certain point, uh, if it's of a certain consistency, yeah. But but That's, there's a lot of reasons why it's not good to attempt either way no you're you're 100 right um yes it is uh it's something i'd love to do yeah if the right thing you just don't ever know though with comedy is one of the things you just don't ever know you just don't know. you know like you get you know, your cast can be brilliant and the idea can be great and then and you can think it's really really and you're doing funny. it everyone's cracking up and they're going, oh this is the we're making the best it's gonna be <laughs> we, legendary we are changing the genre <laughs> and uh, uh, cut to the reviews you know so yeah, I think that can be brutal. What was your first job? I was I I I, I fried fish in a fish and chip shop. You did? Mm. Yeah, I did. What? Uh, where? Where is a good place? For, I'm going to go to England next year to do some. Oh, shows all, all the fish and I mean, the fish and chips are great. But if you want posh fish and chips, really, and to like pay an obscene amount of money for fish and chips. Uh, there's there's a really great restaurant called Jay Shiki's that you need to go to, and that's okay to do that. That's not like violating the fish and chips code by going swank with it, not just like going to a, a Some dirty people pub. Would say yes, I would say no. Go for it. <laughs> you can go to a dirty pub uh, afterwards, but if you you know because if you go and get bad fish and chips, it's kind of floppy and disgusting. Yeah. You don't but want great that. fish and chips is fabulous. Jay Shiki's. Jay Shiki's. Would you please write that down, Kyle? All right, good. Thank you. Uh, what was your first acting job? Uh, I was in uh, an Inspector Calls directed by Stephen Daldry in the West End. And how? And did you audition for that? And did I you- did. I auditioned, and then he rehearsed us, and he would rehearse us with a with a, a klaxon, you know, like an old um, bi- bi- like a bicycle horn. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, and every time. I did something that he thought was bad acting. He'd go, herp, herp, oh, and like no. this. It was really funny. Oh, oh. my God. This is, this is me. This is me. <laughs> I'll be in some emotional crying my eyes. I just hear, herp, herp, from them. This is like a shock collar mm. for dogs. Like, that's what it's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're just talking about revenge. You just, you just, how could you not get in your head when you go out on stage for the actual performance and where you're just wincing? And you're like, just waiting for the herp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very. But it was an amazing. That was an amazing experience. I guess my first um, acting job. What was my first uh, f- a film acting job? Um, it wasn't Night's Tale, was it? It wasn't Night's Tale. Maybe it was. Um, it was, Gang- was it Gangster Number One? Oh, Bent. I was in a film called Bent, the the play, um, uh, and it was um, Sean Mathias directed it. That was my first gig. And I think I was still at drama school, and they'd let me out for a couple of weeks to go and do. Oh, that's pretty badass. I think I was Sorry, guys, that. I gotta go shoot a movie. I'll be, I'll be back to yeah, drama school. Like I mean, <laughs> yes, people are gonna go care about where Come I'm shooting. Back wearing a long leather coat, <laughs> <laughs> dressed like Neo for some reason. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I, don't worry about any of this. It's just uh, you're doing great. <laughs> uh, so that yeah, that was that was. That was the first thing. And then there was a film called Gangster Number One that I made really soon after that, which uh, was the thing that sort of changed everything for me. And I love, with Paul McGuigan, who um, who does all the Sherlock's, uh, we made a huge success of that. We, we, it was our f- both of our first film. Is films? Yes. And uh, 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 we just thought anything was possible. And it was just, it was a magical. Uh, magical time, and I, I, you know, I, I saw that movie recently, and it, it still stands up. And I was really, I'm, it's one that I'm really proud of. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing because you, you, you know, 
the more you work, is that you know you don't you don't always get it's not always that it's not always that where you no, can feel really, the universe shift. Yep. You know, uh, so it you do you can I think get more appreciative of that the older you're like oh, oh yeah, yeah that was so great I wish yeah, I had, did you feel like you appreciated it enough at the time I think I think so on that I, I you know I I think you have a real sense of whether you know because some things i've um and it, it's somehow separate from the success of something um uh, master and commander i knew was special as we were making it and it was a huge opportunity for me and i i'm uh, uh, i think peter weir is is one of the greatest living and working directors that we have and I knew that that was a. You really felt the sort of privilege and the the the, the chance, and that he was just doing an extraordinary job. So that was amazing. But there are other films that I were in that weren't as um, as well received and as widely seen that I still had an extraordinary experience of in and am um, still really fond of. So it's 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 interesting. It's not entirely linked to something being. Successful. In, Thank God, because if it was, you'd hang yourself. Like, how sure. could you? How could you live? What a terrible way to have to live by your own, defining your own success by whether or not something that you have no control over. Absolutely. You know, you just don't. You just don't ever know. No idea. And and and, you know, your your uh, your commitment to it, your time commitment is so tiny compared to the director and and you know the editor and and all of the stuff that happens. Afterwards, you 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 you're, you're not in control of that, and um, and it's really not your responsibility. So, um, you know, when the when the experience is special, especially the way people are making films now. I was talking to Ron Howard about this the other day, and and how people are watching films. You better enjoy having made that movie because it's going to go up on a shelf, and people are going to you know uh, take it out when they want. And but you know. The success of a a film like A Beautiful Mind, for instance, that that just A and one, you wouldn't make it for the same amount of money. It would have to be made for half of the amount of money, right? You know? And and who's to say you would have such a huge theatre going audience? You know, the movie, a movie about a mathematician made coin. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Now, are you and Ron Howard a part of some weird uh, 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 ginger conspiracy to? <laughs> um, were there other? Uh, We're all ginger. <laughs> Even my wife. You, <laughs> you and Ron Howard and like Karen Gillan and like five other gingers. <laughs> and this is just figuring out how to infiltrate. How to take over the world, breed you all out, <laughs> yeah. and then blot out the sun. Exactly. Because you burn very easily. Yes. And right. You have to be very careful about yes, that. It, well, there's a, a lot of different types of ginger. You see, <laughs> this is exactly the type of ginger racism that yeah, I am. Exactly. That's inherent a lot in our of culture. Spanish so I Spanish ginger people. I no, no, you're right. I'm sorry. I, I. You know, I apologize. I apologize to... And it's that... This is the fight that we're fighting. <laughs> I apologize to all my uh, sun-freckled brethren uh, who uh, have suffered so long uh, because of their genetic... Uh, it's disorder. really held Ron and I back. <laughs> why do gingers get so much shit? And I feel like maybe that's more of a British thing. I think it is, yeah. What? Why? I don't understand what the, what the hang-up is. There's a wild jealousy, I think. It, it must be. I, but, but I think we're untrustworthy looking, that's what it is. <laughs> I, always, I always find it to be particularly charming, so I don't understand what the problem is. Lisa Hayworth. <laughs> All right. I think it was dyed, though. I don't yeah, I don't know so, if that one was real. Well, that one, sure may, that not, one that may not have been real. That came out of a bottle. How do you know if you're, you know, when you're, when you're in the middle of a project, how do you know? How, what, what has to happen for you for, it to, for you to go, oh, okay, it's always firing in all cylinders. This is very special. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. How do you ever know? Oh, I don't think. Well, yeah, I don't know if you can know whether it's going to be well received, and I think you have to, at some point in your life or career or whatever, step away from that. I don't read any reviews. I won't read any reviews of anybody else's work. I won't read reviews of my own work. I just and step away and separate the um, the, the experience. Um, uh, but. So I don't know whether you know it's going to be a success, but you know whether people are uh, bringing great work, and that's really exciting. That's really exciting. 
Do you go to premiere? Like, do you watch the movies at all? I have probably watched half of them. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, I don't want. I don't watch all of them. Some of them are horrible experiences. So you, <laughs> you want to move on as quickly I, as possible. I don't want to think about that. Um, or you were working with horrible people that you just don't want to look at anymore. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's such a bummer. It's such a bummer. You know, I've said, I, I always I always say this, but I was like, I don't understand why. You know, why it can't just be easier because if there's so much, there's so many obstacles. Yeah. That you know, it's like, but creating them, it's just. I guess it's you know. Some, some, a lot I think of there's. I, I think there's some. You know, there's like in any profession, there's assholes and there's great people and there's you know. And the great thing about my job is if you are on a job with some assholes, you get to leave it after four months. That's true. You know what I mean? And then you don't have to work with those assholes anymore. Yeah. But it seems like coming into the Marvel franchise, it seems like everyone's super cool. Super cool. So uh, really lovely, really creative, very happy. Everybody's terribly well paid. And uh, so every, <laughs> everybody's in a good mood. And if they're not, then, you know, it would be embarrassing, I think. Everybody. Because there used to be such a stigma behind superhero movies like, ah, it's doing a superhero movie, you know. But now it's a, now it's a, it's a, it's a blessing, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. And it's a, it's absolutely a blessing and you get to um you know you you it's the first time in my career that i've known that i was what i was going to be doing in a year's time you know what i mean that's a that's a that's a fantastic uh, piece of security in in your in a life that doesn't have much in 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 that way you know the tap can turn off yeah sometimes and um in fact the tap turned off um uh, at one point for me and i was um in a meeting with a producer who will remain nameless who told me your career's over i said excuse me and he said your career's over and i i i stood up for myself you know and said listen hollywood is littered with careers that had second and third acts you know what i mean you should you should watch what you say. But I, as I walked out, my legs kind of, I stood up to him, but my legs kind of gave way and went to jelly. And I, I sat on the, um, the sidewalk in uh, on Sunset Boulevard thinking, oh, my God, maybe my career's over. And my, maybe he's right. And then my phone went, and I looked at my phone, and it was Joss Whedon. And I went, hey, Joss. And he said, do you want to be a superhero in the next Avengers movie? And I went... <laughs> Yes, I do. Yes, yes, I do. Karma was very quick that day. So, um, so yes, it was. No, Joss, my career is over. I don't know if you heard. I, I, I would love to, but. I think you should talk to this asshole first. But, uh, um, but you know, uh, I, uh, I, again, if I had a dollar for every time somebody had told me my career was over, I could actually have my career be over. But Those are just social Darwinism tests, I think. <laughs> Those are social Darwinism tests because I think it doesn't matter. I, I tend to think it's that's what's so fascinating to me about this business is that it really depends on what the most recent thing is. And if sure. you have a string of shitty things, then you can try – I'm making it sound easier than it is, but it is theoretically possible – to try another angle, try something else, take a risk. Do I think in yeah. a way when someone tells you your career is over, it's almost sort of freeing because you're like, oh, well, I, I can take any risk in the world now. It doesn't matter if right. no one gives a shit. And then that's where you can really use that as a springboard. Right. And, you know, the, 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 the terrible thing about shit is that, um, you know, you, you, you don't work. The good thing is, is that the smell of shit goes away, <laughs> and people remember the good stuff. You know what I mean? They, they actually do. They, they, people are generous, really, in the way they think, and they remember the stuff that you were good in or that was um, successful. And and if, eventually, that you know that, that, that it all it all comes out in the wash. The shit. You, the shit does come out in the you wash, and you don't, shit you don't have to push it. <laughs> We're pushing it up hills. We're washing it out of clothes. We're sitting in a room across from it. And it's telling us our careers are over. Like all different kinds of shit. Yeah. But I, but I do think that uh, it's important to remember that you don't have to listen to anyone. And no, 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 it, it no. Doesn't really. No one knows. And most people are thinking about themselves anyway. So in your head, where you go, oh, everyone's going to think I'm a fraud. Everyone's going to think I've had done something that wasn't great. They're not thinking about you. They're no. just thinking about themselves. Exactly. And and. Uh... And plus, it's sort of the way it always 
was, you know, the way you started your career, you know, you know nobody wanted you. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, right. It's, um, and you know, there's just peaks and troughs and it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a marathon, not a race. You know what I mean? Is the thing that I've sort of learned. And, but I also can understand why as a parent, when you, you know, you love your child more than anything in the world and they say, I want to do this thing that's going to bring me great disappointment sure. and, and, to, and make me question myself. And of course, as a parent, you're like, I don't want you to feel any of that. I, I, abs- that's absolutely the point. And, uh, and also, um, you, like I say, I am surrounded by people that I, who I think – I know a lot of people who I think are very, very talented and just never quite got a crack at the whip. Mm-hmm. You know, And I think that that's, um, that's, that's rough. Because it's not something you can do on your own. You can't unless you're f- fucking mad. <laughs> if you're if you're insane, and so that you can, but you can't do it in your bedroom. You know what I no. mean? You can't. But you can play a guitar in your bedroom. You can paint a picture. You can write a book. You can you know yep. all of that stuff. So so um, I think it it is it can be the stuff of madness for people. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and I think that's why some people can get caught. Just in you know a perpetual state of acting classes, acting class because at least you're it feels like you're you're doing something. But I but I do I, I do think it's nice to have it you know go, go do theater. It doesn't matter how shit is. Get up in front of people that you don't know and just perform in front of them and you know learn from that experience. Absolutely. Even if it's I mean I know I'm oversimplifying. If you're broke and you have to figure out how to pay the bills, but I feel like you know you you you. I, I remember when I was in college, I always found money for beer, and I was broke, <laughs> but I always found money for beer in college. Sure. So if I had said, like, oh, well, I can't do this thing, I'm broke, you know, well, how do you always find money? Oh, well, that, I mean, of course, you know, that. <laughs> I, beat him. I mean, come on. So I, idiot. So I think in a lot of cases, not all, I think in a lot of cases, though, you know, you can – if you prioritize things a certain way, you can figure out things right. to a degree. A lot, of, a lot of things are out of your control. But I just think I'm on this kick lately. I think more things are in your control than people actually right. realize. Well, and I think that taking – I think that's a big – I think taking control of these things, you know, I, uh, is, is really important because you're – there's nothing more depressing than things being out of your control. You, 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 you don't have the ability to say, yes, you can have that job. You only have the ability to say, no, I don't want on that job and right. it's offered to you so I think doing things that you know I, what I have been trying to do is do a lot of writing and and, um, and start directing and um, and it's been it's it's it, it is peculiar because the moment you start doing that and taking care of business for yourself it's almost as if the universe uh, kind of go what's going on over there you know what yeah. I mean and, and, and things start um, things start uh, happening again so um I've I, I've really wanted to start uh, making things, and um, you know, Cassavetes was you know this sort of constant forge. By the time the reviews came out for one of his movies, he was always working on another movie. You know, he just kept moving, and um, and he was really the you know, he he wanted change in his industry, and he so he got up and did it himself. And I, you know, I think that's a real lesson to be learned from that. Yeah, you and you can, you absolutely can do that if you. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you're very busy. I don't know if you guys are shooting Civil War now or what's going on, but but I assume when you, when you can step aside from any of the any of that stuff, you could you could just go make something. Yes, and I, and I have, and I do, and I it is um it is um it's really gratifying to 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 do that. Yeah. What type of things? What, what what type of stories do you like to tell? Uh, well, they, I I think you know the 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 one I've got a movie that I directed with Anthony Mackie in it that I wrote and directed with Anthony Mackie and my wife in it, um, and that comes out in November and it's called Shelter and it's about a homeless couple on the streets of New York City, and I'm working on a. Um, a satire set in the Hamptons, so it's a totally opposite, you know opposite um genre i suppose and so when you're picking these stories are, are they things that you happen upon or just stuff that you've been noodling for a long time or do you go i want to you know i've done this kind of thing now i want to go try this this kind of thing okay 
Well, what really happened to me, it was a, a bunch of things happened. I, th- I was in the, in the last uh, 10 years in New York City, homelessness has spiraled out of control. And you can see it if your eyes are open everywhere. You know, last year, first apartment for $100 million sold, 62,000 of its citizens um, were seeking shelter every night in New York City, a city home to more billionaires than any other city on earth. And uh, that's extraordinary. 20,000 of those uh, citizens are children seeking refuge every night in New York City. Um, and so you can't, I couldn't help but see that. I also was deciding, God, I think I want to direct a movie and what would I want that to be about? And I was thinking about judgment and how um, in, a, in, a, in a world of increasingly um, gray area, we seem to be becoming more and more entrenched in black and white positions. And at the same time that was happening, there was this couple who, who lived outside my apartment, my neighbors, I guess, and um, a black guy and, 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 a, and a white girl. And uh, I tried to talk to them. I used to pass them every day on the school run, and they were really recalcitrant. And, and I'm ashamed to say in the end, I stopped trying to talk to them, and, and they became more and more part of the landscape of the city in, in which my family and I live. And then Hurricane Sandy happened. And we were on the river and we have mandatory evacuation. So I was getting all the kids and the dogs and the cat and the, yeah, all the luggage into the car and head to higher ground. And I didn't stop to think about where they, my neighbours, would shelter. And I never saw them again. And I, I, I wondered whether they would be a rather good template to, with which to discuss... Um, judgment and how we how we uh, judge people so that is where it came from then i started working with the coalition for the homeless which is these this extraordinary advocacy group in new york city and uh, they have amazing outreach programs they have camps for these children who you know, during summer and uh, uh, and I started working with them, and, and, and then I started writing the script and I had them uh, vet the script and and um, and very soon I pieced, pieced, I was very lucky I pieced together the money very quickly and we, we, we shot a movie in 21 days with and what it proved to me was if you have a real lack in finance and time but you have a, a wealth of talent in your cast you, you, they can make you look like you know what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> you probably had something to do with it, it though they, they are so extraordinary Anthony and Jennifer is so extraordinary in the, in the, in the film I really Jennifer w- Connolly. I think I think Jennifer people probably Connelly, know that, my missus that, yes um, you know she's an extraordinarily fastidious actress there are some really dark places that she goes to in the movie there's two really shocking scenes um specifically that um i i was i felt so honored that she trusted me enough to shoot them um she clearly couldn't have trusted me as a director because i'd never directed before but i think she trusted that she could kick the shit out of me for 20 years if i (laughs) if i got it wrong uh and um but you know i i think sort of giving actors a, a, a job back um to tell stories because so much, so, so many scripts are so overdeveloped now to the point where even if the actor doesn't really show up, uh, the the story is still um, uh, told. And I really understand that from a p- producerial. I've definitely made that word up. I've heard it um, before. Uh, p- I'll allow it. You know what I mean. I, I, um, I understand why that's nerve wracking, but. Five Easy Pieces is brilliant because they waited until Jack Nicholson told the story in front of the camera. It doesn't work without that extraordinary performance. And that's not to say that there aren't still great performances in English language films every year, but the 70s were awash with, uh, with, with, with those films. And so, I, I, you know, I just tried to give them a lot of space and um, allow them back into that decision-making process. And, and uh, it, it, really, it really paid off. I think they were extraordinary in it. So with the coalition that you work with, what, what is it that people can do, you know, where you said, uh, you know, this couple, you tried to communicate with them, but that, and by the way, 
A non-educated person would not use the word recalcitrant. I uh, <laughs> just want to point that out there. Uh, smart British guy. But, uh, but what, what can No you... idea what it means. Uh... <laughs> I meant that they were lacking in calcium. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just giving them vitamins. But it, uh, what, what, what can people do in those situations when they have the means to help people, but then they see – but they let them you know, drift into the, into the scenery? Like what, what, can have, what can the ravaged person do? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, uh, that's part of what the film is about, the, the response that we have faced with seeing a homeless person. And it's the, there's almost – they're either invisible or there's almost an aggressive response, which, God, you must have done something to bring yourself to this position. And it, once you start talking to these people, they all have a story and they're – stories and we are we are one family tragedy one job loss away from finding ourselves in that same position and you know um i my 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 father i grew up a catholic and i'm not a religious man but my father always used to say when we pass somebody in need like that with he would always say there but for the grace of god go i and I really miss that sentiment. I don't feel we have enough of it there, but for the grace of God, go I, because it's an admission of how close we all are. Okay, so what can you do about it? I think that it, that it actually needs to be legislated for, f- frankly. You know, that one can do a lot by going to work for somebody like Coalition for the Homeless. You can drive the bus. They have a bus that well, they, they, they deliver a 1,000 meals to New York City um, uh, homeless people every night. You can go and work. You can tutor children. You can, there's there's Lots that you can actually get involved in, but 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 but, uh, but but actually it needs to be legislated for. Last in the last ten years, in the in the Bloomberg years, um, who did it, he did a lot of things right, um, uh, but he 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 has a woeful record um, with homelessness. Um, uh, Thirty-two percent of low-cost housing has been um, cut in the last ten years, um, and we have sixty. 2,000 homeless people and you would be a fool and a communist to draw any link between <laughs> 62,000 homeless people and um, th- a 32% um, cutting of, of, of social housing. So, um, you know, I, I, there, there, there are lots to do. There's, there is lots to do um, and one can get involved in, in giving money or in, in a more physical uh, way, which is incredibly gratifying. And actually, when you go to meet these people that do this with their lives, that look after these people and try and help these people off the streets and out of shelters and into long-term housing, the, 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 they're angels. I mean, you just you, – you can't believe that people with this much – Goodness inside them exist. I'm 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 endlessly uh, humbled by them whenever I go to um, um, meet them. What, does the web does the, the coalition have a website? That, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they do, do. But what is it? They absolutely do. It's an, it's a great website. It'll, it'll, and it will absolutely help you if you're in New York City. It'll absolutely help you with being able to get involved. But they I, I'm I don't know, but I'm sure they have links to uh, you know other uh, charities around the country. Um, I know there's one that we found today. I forgot what the name of it was, Mel. Do you remember? Uh, the um, in in Atlanta. Oh, I can find it out for you. Okay. Um, um, but you know, uh, all, you know, all these major cities have have um, have charities that you can you can get involved with. Excellent. And yours is the Coalition for Coalition for the Homeless. Coalition for the Homeless. Well. Uh, we're about to yeah we're about in an hour. This was an hour. We just it, it just flies it, by, Paul Bettany. It did fly. It by. It flies by, and uh, it, a uh, your voice is hypnotic in a wonderful way. Thank you very much. And uh, I think uh, a lot of people listening just I, I just I feel like it's gonna uh, it's gonna uh, stimulate endorphins in their brain. <laughs> it's gonna make them very happy, and then people are gonna get you to tell stories of them because your voice is a drug. Well, it's uh, very kind. Of you. But uh, but I'm so it's been so wonderful to see you evolve in the Marvel universe. Uh, and I'm very – I actually am incredibly touched by your story and the fact that you're a performer who doesn't just think about yourself and, and that you're actually trying trying to use work to generate uh, awareness for the homeless. And so thank you for that. And people should absolutely get the Blu-ray for uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. A lot uh, of fun. With a lot of extra stuff. There's a lot of making out uh, that we've uh, – Extra making out as well. Extra not making out. Run of the mill work. Not, not uh, run of the mill. It's people – 
dressed as your favorite superheroes. Making out. Incredibly muscly men making out. For some reason was cut out of the movie, Joss. Why? (laughs) But I guess they had to save some stuff for the DVD, so they did. But uh, Paul Bettany, thank you so much uh, for being here. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, we sign off the podcast by saying enjoy your burrito. It's our way to tell people to enjoy their present life and not live in the past and the future. But your voice is infinitely superior to mine. Would you please... Sign off the podcast uh, in a posh way. Everybody out there, enjoy your burrito. I feel like we should just put that, just just use that at the end of every one. Enjoy your burrito. Where's the Starbucks? <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new. Stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.